Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. Beavers coach Jonathan Smith will be uh, coming up here in a few minutes. Excited to talk with him. Steven, we're going to give our picks for the week coming up. Are we going to give our leans in the final segment? Can oh, we do I'm, that? I'm ready to lean lean with and rock with it. All right. Uh, then uh, uh, we will uh, we'll do that. I'm told Jonathan will be calling in momentarily. You can let uh, our staff, all the interns that are there, the screener there, Judah probably running around there. Jonathan's calling in any moment now. Um, do you have a lean yet on Oregon State, Arizona? You know what, John? This is I've been talking to Judah about this game all day today. Like this, I I have leaned back and forth. Right now, I'm leaning towards Arizona plus the points. I don't know yet. I'm ready to pull the trigger on Arizona winning outright. But I, what Aliotti said when he talked about the Oregon State defense, it really hit me, John. Like the defense just isn't as good this season. And I've done, you know, I've looked at the stats. I I think I've shared it in one of the clips. Like the Oregon State defense on the road has been bad this year. I just I kind of want to see it first before I can say I, I believe Oregon State can go on the road and beat Jed Fish, who I think is a great coach. Like Jonathan Smith, a great coach. I think Jed Fish is right up there with him. I think Oregon's got Oregon State's got the better staff. I think when Nick Elliotti was talking earlier about Utah, it you know I've heard him talk about Jonathan Smith. He's got a lot of respect for that coaching staff. So I think those two coaching staffs. But uh, I love what he had to say about the trap game. Like, do you know the stakes? If you're Oregon State, you have to know what the stakes are. And on that note, we'll bring Jonathan Smith onto the program. Oregon State traveling to Tucson on Saturday. Beavers coming off a of bye week. You know what I noticed on the bye week? Jonathan Smith would have uh, uh, have these tweets where he says "damn right," and he's got the like the emoji of the beaver and the check mark. Um, I think I know what that means, but I want him to tell me what that means. What does that mean when I see a tweet from you and it says "damn right"? Yeah, it's always you know new, new exciting times for the bees. Uh, potential additions, you know. Careful of being too specific, stuff yeah. like that. But I mean, like if I'm, let's just say hypothetically, I'm the coach of a college football program. I can tweet, "Damn right," and then everybody, like my, my fan base knows, "Ooh, something exciting coming," or got a got a uh, got a handshake from somebody, and that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a handshake because none of this stuff's binding to the. Signing day, you know, but um, it's a good thing. We're uh, we're excited about where we're at with all of that right now. I know that. I like it. Uh, that's good to hear, and and I think especially good to hear because you're in the middle of a season and there's all that outside uncertainty. But you guys are are, are mostly playing well. I I bet you want that Washington State one back, but you can't do anything about it now. What do you think about Arizona? What do you see on film when you go to Tucson? Right, uh, there's. They're solid, man. I mean, offensively, they get play with great balance. They get two big-time wideouts. Quarterback play's been really good. They're playing. They've had to and play two two guys, and you know they're throwing it well to those guys. But they mix in the run game with multiple backs. Um, just solid balance across the board on that side. I one of the you know best, most improved defenses in the league, if not the country. Um, these guys are playing way better, way better against the run. Um, shoot, held Washington State six points. So, you know, they're playing well. And they're kind of hot. I mean, they've been, they go to the Coliseum losing triple overtime. They play UW and only uh, kind of 
games in the balance till the end, lose by seven, and then obviously Washington State game. So they got some real energy and momentum, and they had the same bye as us. So we'll see who handled the bye the best. And now we're going down there, which will be a tough place to play. So kind of all of that uh, makes us feel really motivated to prepare and try to play really well. Yeah, you guys, you know, I think offensively, it's it's sneaky. I, I look at what you guys do, and I, I see the numbers are there, the balance is there. What do you focus on in a bye week when, you know, you feel like you're like you're mostly trending in the right direction? Yeah, you take a look at all the details and what we're doing. You also try to look at things as if, you know, the defensive coordinator who you're about to play, how he's looking at the stuff and what kind of tendencies do we have, um, you know, whether it's play calls, formations, what kind of tendencies, are we only doing the same thing in the same formation, uh, looking at that, some of the explosive plays, how are we getting that uh, produced, uh, what issues have we had in protection. I mean, you're looking at all kinds of stuff, which is kind of nice where the buy landed. I mean, we played seven games, so there's a lot of tape there. And it obviously wasn't just offense. I mean, all three phases, we took a deep look at it and found multiple things that we got to clean up, do better, and some tendencies we have that we got to, adjust to dj and aiden childs both kind of talking this week it was kind of neat to hear aiden talk a little bit you've you've been around that kid all season how much maturity does he have for a guy who just turned 18 yeah i think he's got a ton i mean he got here in january uh went to work uh he's continued to learn and when he's playing uh he just plays the game he doesn't overthink it just lets his instincts take over um, I think he's handled playing in you know these games really well. It's not easy to be put in there, kind of after the game starts, a couple of series, and then you're in there and knowing you're probably coming back out. And he's handled that really well. Especially you know we got into Pac-12 play, and the first series he has against Utah doesn't go his way. We didn't protect him very well, but we put him right back out there the next week. Throws a touchdown pass, and then he does it again the, the following week. So we got him. We like getting him out there. Uh, he's totally. If he wasn't mature enough to handle playing and, and going, we definitely wouldn't be doing it. And we're trying to force the issue because he is so mature and he's a really good football player. You have to like your team, though. I mean, you look around the conference. Your team is resilient. You got toughness. I'm not just blowing smoke at you. You guys look like you're well coached. You, you know, it's it's. But this season's a gauntlet. And you know, I said earlier. I asked Nick Aliotti earlier. Is this a trap game for Oregon State? You having to go to Tucson? He said he doesn't believe in trap games because there's only 12 games in a season. Do you do you be- agree with him on that? That you know, your guys understand the stakes as you go. You know, all these games are important now. Yeah, 100. percent There's no thing, such thing as a trap game. You you respect your opponent. Uh, you don't fear anybody. We talk about a respect all, fear none around here, and how we pay respect to our opponents, how we prepare. And it, our guys are very aware in this conference, week in and week out. Uh, you got to play well to win, man. And you never know how these things are going to go. And you look at some of the games from last weekend. UW up there doesn't score a touchdown on offense. Like who would have who would have thought that? And then you throw the Arizona going up to Pullman and putting it on them like that. So. We're we're well well aware. We don't prepare well. We don't play well. We're going to get beaten probably by a few touchdowns. Yeah, and I think uh, I think most teams know that week in and week out. Jonathan Smith is with us, Oregon State coach. Can we? All right, I want to talk about signs and sign stealing without talking about specifics because I don't want to put you in a position where you're calling out another coach or anything. But just in general, you know, you've seen stuff over the years, and I know as a coaching staff, you have to be a little paranoid and and you have to protect that stuff. Like, how much do you guys focus on making sure there's not people wandering around your practices or at games filming stuff? Or have you ever 
felt like other teams were doing that. Right. Well, we we definitely around our practices have you know closed practices, and we got eyes on on things around. Especially when we were practicing in the stadium, and it was getting finished, right, completed, like during the summer, and we got hundreds of people just up building this stadium. I had it in my back of my mind of people taking taking a look at our our practices. Signing stealing has been going on for a long time. I can still remember it when I was calling plays at UW. We thought there were a couple of teams are stealing our signals and. The ones that are easy to steal, easier, I think, are on defense. Because nowadays on defense, you know, these calls are just one word, so it's just one signal. And and, and you can study this stuff on tape, right? We get – every game's on TV now, so you can cut up the TV copy of this thing and you get all the sideline views and in-between plays. And it's uh, it's out there. Um, and so it's something you got to be able to counteract knowing that uh, it can take place during the game and – and I'm not here to say during the game if we got tipped to something on watching the other sideline, we'd, we'd try to use it. We're not huge on it because on offense, you know, we're huddling up and we're not overly concerned. But uh, you never know. I, I stole your sign earlier this season. You were milking the clock, <laughs> and, I, and I knew you were milking the clock. You know, yeah, there's, no, you were, there's no way around you, it. <laughs> you and the rest of the country, you know, they probably had an idea what's going on. Well, let, let me ask you this. Okay, so let's say I – in, intercept your sign on defense, and I, I can tell when you're playing man or when you're playing zone, or maybe I could just get your coverage in general. You know, how much of an advantage is that to, to me, or is it a mild advantage, or is that a huge advantage? Right. Well, I think that it's an advantage if you can get it communicated. Uh, meaning, like if you're on offense, you call a play. The def- defensive call usually comes in after that, so you got to do something at the line of scrimmage, which you see all the time, right? That you line up in a formation, and then everyone looks to the sideline. And so if you've gotten the defensive signal at that point, then you could counteract and call something different. Um, but, again, the defense has the opportunity to change it at that point. It's not easy, I don't think. Even if you knew whoever's picking the signals, getting that communicated to then the play caller and then getting that to the guys on the field to get executed, that, that's not easy. I am uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys do on Saturday in Tucson. Do you- do you have memories of going there and playing as a player, or is there a stadium that that you like to go to and, and play, or you found you know in, an enjoyable place to play? Forget forget right. the opposition. Yeah, you know, growing up in L.A., both those historic stadiums, the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl, were always cool for me. I do remember playing down at in Tucson. I think we played there in two thousand. Found a way to win toward the end. If I remember right. Um, I, I kind of like, you know, again, this league that's lasted another couple months, but th- there's so many cool spots in the league that was easy to cool to travel to. Berkeley Stadium's kind of old, historic. The view from the press box looking out. You know, obviously, Husky Stadium is legitimate in, the, in that atmosphere that's created. So, But I do, I will say, no question, when I was playing, playing in, in L.A. was always the best for me. The visiting locker rooms. As you go around the conference, they're not like the Taj Mahal, but some are better than others. Do you, who has the best visiting locker room? You know, I, I've seen your visiting locker rooms. You got across the street, like, or you know, Colorado was complaining about Oregon's visiting locker room. You can't get enough players in there, but but that, isn't that kind of the point? You don't want them to be comfortable. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what I was trying to say when we finished the stadium. Like, why are we building a brand new visitor locker room? And so right. now we got this thing. It's you know, nice for them. It's easy to get to the field. Where you know, last year and for years they had to cross the street and let the fans let them know hello and all that. That 
dungeon of Gil Coliseum. It was perfect because there is there's some bad locker rooms still in the league, um, space wise. Sometimes the hike you got to make, like in Tempe, the hike you got to make from the locker room all the way to the field, takes forever. Um, there's some other spots that ain't ain't great spacious wise. So I wanted to be right with that. Our place, yeah. you want to have a home so, field advantage. You don't so, don't give them a good locker room. So you might have made it too nice, is what you're saying. I yeah, I proposed that. Too I easy. actually haven't gone in the thing. Yeah, I haven't gone <laughs> Wait, in, you, but it's way too easy. You've never been in it? Not since it's been finished. No, yeah. I, I think I went through like I don't know, three, four months ago, but there was nothing yeah. in there. You know, you, yeah. But no. But when I I remember like covering games at like Stanford Stadium back you know back in the day maybe right before the renovation or right after I can't remember, but like their visiting locker room was nothing. It was like an adobe hut that was right outside the stadium. Like it, you look inside and there's just a bench there. <laughs> I remember cows being the worst before they did the renovations of that thing. You had to walk down these like wooden stairs and there was no space in there. Arizona used to be miserable as well, uh, but it's gotten a little bit better since. Um, they moved moved things around, but how'd, I don't remember Stanford's as much. How did you use the bye week? Uh, you know, aside from maybe getting out and seeing some some players, do do you catch your breath? Do you let your guys get healthy? How else do you use the bye week? Yeah, we we tried to catch our breath for sure. We put the UCLA game to rest the next day. Uh, game the off day Monday. They lifted on Tuesday. Coaches were game planning slash self scouting for the first couple of days. We practiced Wednesday. And then coaches kind of started to hit the road that night or the next day. Uh, I was able to yeah, see some of the local games, and then I got out, saw another game Saturday night. Um, didn't leave till the early afternoon, so I watched a little college football on Saturday. We got out to the pumpkin patch, right? You got to get some nice. pumpkins. So me and the fam went on the uh, the hayride, got some got some pumpkins, and I think we're gonna carve them tomorrow night. Good. Um, yeah, so it was good. It was a good week. I like that. That's a normal thing. Like, do, do you set up the front yard? Are you a front yard? Let's put up some decorations, Dad, or no? Uh, no, I don't. We got a bunch. We got too many, too many. I think decorations out there. Um, <laughs> but it's set up and getting ready for trick treaters and, and the whole thing. What kind of candy bars uh, are the Smith household giving out this this year? Yeah, we're trying to be like king size, right? I mean, yes. give out the good candy, and then the neighborhood kids feel like, oh, that's the cool house, so yes. they're always looking out for that. Versus you give out bad candy, and you know, back in my day, you know, you get eggs at your house once in a while, toilet right. paper. Well, and I think given the job you have, you're, there's going to be some expectations, right? Like the kids <laughs> are going to, kids are going to expect like they're going to get a full size candy bar there. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they they come on through our place, we're going to have them. We'll have king size. I like that. We'll bring a van down there. All right, set set up. <laughs> um, hey, before I let you go here, we got to talk a little bit about the World Series. So. Uh, Diamondbacks playing against uh, the Rangers. It's not a uh, it's not a sexy series, but I like baseball. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to give it a chance. Uh, who do you like? Yeah, um, I don't know much about either team besides Corey Seager's on the Rangers, former Dodger. Yeah. That was a legend for our place, and the Diamond Diamondbacks kind of got us out of the playoffs. So I'm pulling for the Rangers. <laughs> oh, you're going against him. You won't go with the team that finished second in the National League West. Yeah. In the West, I don't know. No. Hmm. I, you know, Corey Seager, I don't, and I'll be honest, yeah. I don't know if I'll watch it at all, but that's just in my gut. I root for the Rangers. All right, so when the Dodgers, Dodgers win 100 games and, and they don't get there, as a fan, are you, uh, are you disappointed with that, or is that, hey, it's just baseball? 
you know, as a, as a fan, yeah, disappointed. As a coach, I'm kind of realistic. This thing is tough. You play all those games. It still comes down to a, you know, whatever, five-game series. You've got to win three games. Pitching, you know, but one bad pitch can totally change a series. This thing is tough. Uh, so you win 100 games. I think that's awesome. Um, and I'll be rooting again next year for them. All right. Good luck in Tucson. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, thank you for joining us as always. Yeah. Okay, John. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. There he is. Trick or treat at his house. Full size candy bars at Jonathan Smith's house. You heard it here first. Plus, the visiting best visiting locker room in the Pac-12 conference might be in Corvallis. All right. Stephen and I are going to give our lean for the week coming up next. Not our official pick, but kind of where we're leaning on the weekend's games. I want you to leave it here. Great guest today. Uh, I want to uh, give a shout-out to the new president at Portland State, Ann Cudd, who came on the show, the president. She was on in the 3 o'clock hour. You can get the podcast of that interview uh, by going to wherever you get a podcast. Also, uh, Nick Aliotti, the former Oregon defensive coordinator, he was with us. Really good interview with Nick Aliotti. And then you just heard Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State football coach. Tomorrow on the show... It'll be Dan Lanning, Oregon football coach. Anthony Gold, Oregon State wide receiver. Plus, uh, we've got some Utah surprises. Bill Riley, ESPN 700. And Matt Safino, KGW meteorologist, a Utah grad and a guy who roots for the Utes. He'll be joining us uh, in the next couple of days, as will Kirk Herbstreet. Herbstreet's on Friday's show. If you uh, want to make an appointment, I think he's coming on Friday at 4 o'clock. So uh, lock it in and make sure you're here. Blazers will lift the lid on their season tonight on the road against the Clippers. Stephen, what are you looking for in Game 1 of the season? Yeah, I'm looking for uh, a little bit of competitiveness. I, I think, you know, we talked about this before, John. I think the Blazers, you know, they, they're not going to tank right from the start of the season, and they have, you know, they're not deep, but they have some solid players on their team. They don't necessarily have that star player yet, but they got some solid guys. As we talked about, the you know the top hundred players, they had more this year than they did last year. So, I expect them to be competitive in this game. I expect them to be competitive early on in the season. I'm excited to see what Scoot Henderson does. I think the key for Scoot right now, if you want to look for something specifically, is see how many turnovers he has. Uh, he, he turned the ball over a lot in the preseason. He did a little. He did that a lot in the G League last season. He still is only 19 years old. Uh, he loves to play fast. He likes to make a lot of plays. So there's going to be turnovers to go along with it. But I think it's going to be a learning process for Scoot Henderson going into this season. And I, I'm excited to see what he does. But watch how many turnovers he has. I, I think it could be a high number, and that could be a problem going into the season. But uh, I'll tell you what, John, I'm excited to watch Scoot. I'm excited to watch Shane Sharp. Hopefully get a cool dunk or two and uh, see the progression of all the players. I just hope that the season doesn't turn into I hope I can get a cool dunk or two. You know what I mean? Like, you got to have a little more than that. But I get what you're looking for on Game 1, opening night on the road. Uh, let's pivot to the Pac-12 games coming up this weekend and give our lean for the week. Oregon's at Utah in the early game. It's 12.30 Saturday on Fox. Ducks are about a 6.5 to 7-point favorite. I think Oregon's going to win the game, Steve, and my, my, that's my lean right now. But I don't know if they're going to cover 6.5 or 7. I think this could be like a 3, 4, 5, 6-point game. Right now, that's kind of where I'm sitting, that Oregon wins the game, not sure if they're going to cover. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm leaning uh, Utah to cover and Oregon to win the game. But you know, as I keep digging into this more, I kind of think I might go with Oregon by game time uh, to cover the points. I, I, there's a, there's just stuff about Utah that I don't necessarily like. Bryson Barnes, I know he had a great drive against USC. But you go look at his numbers, John. He hasn't been very good. And it's going to be one of those things where if Oregon can stop the run, 
what is Utah going to do to score in Oregon? I don't know what it's going to be. I, I, you know, the Oregon run defense has been good, but they haven't faced a lot of good opponents. It's going to come down to can Utah run the football? If they can, it's going to be a close game. If they can't, I think Oregon could actually win this game by double digits. But right now, I am leaning Oregon to win, but Utah to cover the points. I think Oregon, if this game were at Autzen Stadium, would win it by about 17 points. It, but I, but so I guess I have to figure out what is Rice Eccles Stadium worth. Uh, USC's at Cal, 1 o'clock Saturday on the Pac-12 Networks. Nick Aliotti will be on that broadcast. USC is a 10.5 to 11-point favorite. Um, I I think I would pick USC to win. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.